Hello and welcome to episode 98 of the BMcast. Not a podcast that now also has FOMO from seeing all of their friends attending Command Fest Vegas, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I am Scott and I'm joined by the Displacer Kitten herself, Emma. How are you doing today? Yeah, doing okay. I was unwell again this week, or last no. week, with a sinus infection. So I've been playing catch-up again, which, you mm-hmm. know, I'm now caught up, which is good. Nice. So for content this week, I look at the budget pickups from Battles for Baldur's Gate, mm-hmm. thinking about commander and constructor formats. And then for modern on a budget this week, we look at hardened scales, because that deck Ooh. is still very playable without Mox Opal. Mm. And it doesn't use Modern Horizons 2 cards, so that's a win. <laughs> So you can check those out on TCG Player now. Also on Tuesday, June 21st, I'll be revealing two preview cards from Double Masters 2022 on TCG Player, so keep an Mm -hmm. eye out for those. Double the Um, previews. Double the previews. Um, (laughs) Also, I received a really nice and awesome Battles for Baldur's Gate care package from Wizards of the Coast and yours truly, where I got a bunch of draft set and collector's boosters, and I also got the the Party Time Commander uh, Preconstructed deck as well. Hmm. Um, and also on Wednesday, I'll be guesting on Risky Keeps, this EDH gameplay series thing. Hmm. Have you heard of it? Cri- what's that? Crispy Peeps? Crispy Peeps what? by Crot uh, <laughs> Sullen, maybe? Um, so, as for non magic, I have dipped back into Fire Emblem Free Houses mm. because I only finished the game as one of the houses and I'm trying to finish off the games before buying more. Um, yeah. So I've started off with the Golden Deers this time, which are the yellow faction that care about like bows and arrows and stuff, which is pretty fun. And hmm. um, how about you? What have you been up to? Uh, I've been up to a good bit, to be honest. This week's article is about commander and background pairings for Battle for Baldur's Gate. So I go through like ten weird and interesting combinations and how to like build towards supporting the archetype that they focus on. So you can check that out on Card Kingdom. So you can look at that after the show. I also got a very, very similar care package to yourself from Yours Truly and Wizards. It was really good. I think the only difference was that I got the Draconic Descent precon, mm-hmm. and I got an Ancient Copper Dragon, and I got an Elminster Ooh. and a Minskin Boo, so some cool stuff there, yeah. There's also been kind of a big thing for me this week, um, and it's not normally what we talk about, but I think it's kind of important to, you know, talk about these things in general, uh, but this week I was officially diagnosed with ADHD, so honestly... If anyone knows me in real life, they are not surprised by this whatsoever. But, you know, I'm glad I know about it now. I've been finding things particularly difficult over the past couple of years, um, especially during the pandemic and the lockdowns, because like regular day to day life had been like completely flipped upside down. My regular supports and systems and all that kind of stuff just fell apart. And I didn't know how to function for an awful lot of that time and still to some degree don't. But, you know. You know, things started pointing towards ADHD and then like I was waiting months to get an assessment. Like I booked in in January, I think it was, and I only got it there on Thursday. So like, yeah, it takes a long time and the support over here in Ireland is not good. But I am going to be starting like meds and therapy and stuff over the next couple of weeks, which I'm looking forward to. And the reason I'm bringing this up is, well, you know, it's important to make sure that people, you know, see these things happening because you know we're we're more than just like talking heads you know we have our own struggles and ups and downs and whatever but i think it's important to like show any and all instances of mental health struggles and stuff like to help destigmatize it but also to help show that things like mental health issues and neurodiversity and that kind of stuff is there and it's important and it's good to be able to accept it and be able to work on it and improve your situation and that kind of thing so yeah so there you go. That's uh, that's some big news for myself there. But yeah, 
it's always good to just normalize this conversation as much as it, yeah. it isn't a nice conversation it's just important to know that we are human we have feelings yeah. we are not machines of just creating content we have personalities and issues ourselves so yeah absolutely what's um what's very funny about this is that when i got the diagnosis my partner leanne has actually been trying to help me find well she's been helping me a lot through this but also trying to help me find something to get as my first tattoo because i keep wanting to get tattoos but i keep you know going down the idea and then like losing track of it or forgetting about it or something and she's been trying to help me like stick to it so i can actually get one you know and there's she suggested something because every time up until now like when i forget something simple or do something silly or whatever and it's because of adhd i've been calling it poo brain because <laughs> in adventure time there's an episode where finn and jake are trying to get to sleep but they can't because there's a horse watching them from a hill across the way and they're just the horse is just staring at them with this like big bugged out face and jake is just like oh it's got poo brain don't, like don't mind it or whatever you know and yeah. the the look on it is like just such a like a derpy face and that's what i've been saying like referring to the whole time it's like oh it's poo brain you know and yeah. she's now suggesting that i get that little derpy poo brain horse tattooed <laughs> and i kind of love the idea i like it, I, like it. <laughs> I really want to do this now <laughs> If you enjoy the BMcast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. Not only will you get access to all of the show notes and deck lists, but you get to listen to the new episodes a day earlier than anyone else. Visit patreon.com forward slash the BMcast to join today. There are also free ways to support them too. Just listening to the show is already great. You can follow them on their Twitter at the BMcast as well, and even DM them for a link to the Discord server. No matter your budget, we'll make sure you get your stonks on. Alright, so, moving on. Emma, I believe it is your turn. What is your card of the week? So my card of the week this week is Ruthless Technomancer from Kamigawa mm. Neon Dynasty Commander Precondex. So for about $3, you get a creature human wizard that reads, Whenever Ruthless Technomancer enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice another creature you control. If you do, create a, no create a number of treasure tokens equal to that creature's power. And then you can pay two in the black to sacrifice X artifacts, return target creature card with power X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield, and X can't be zero. So it's just a really another cool way just to use all those excess treasure tokens that seem to be littering commander games at the moment with you know Streets of New Capanna and Baldur's Gate just having all these ways to generate generate treasures. It's just another way to use that mana. Excellent in like sacrifice matters decks, and you can recur you know value ETB creatures for value, and like the second ability essentially you're going to sack off your treasures for the second ability. It's really good with effects like Mayhem Devil, so you can yeah. like machine gun the board. Um, to be honest, it just feels really undervalued right now. It's just such a cool Agreed. and unique effect, and I just recommend picking up a couple of copies if you are looking to play a sack deck. So I can see it going up in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really sweet. I have one for my Armix and Torma deck, and it does work. It is really powerful. But yeah, fantastic card. Okay, so before we jump into the main topic 
of today's episode. We're going to cover something very quickly, and that is the recent Pioneer banned and restricted announcement. So, recently, Wizards announced that they were banning Winota, Joiner of Forces, and Expressive Iteration from Pioneer. And, yeah, let's just talk about that for a sec. So, what do you think of this overall, Emma? Uh, I like it. I wish Winota was banned six months ago, which I think is something mm-hmm. that we can all agree on. And I really like the banning of Expressive Iteration because it puts a hedge against what decks can be really good post-Winota ban. So obviously Wizards of the Coast thought, hey, is it Piles, Ledger Shredder decks are going to be really, really good going forward. Mm-hmm. So they need to slow that down once Winota got banned. So the fact that Iteration goes as well, I just think it's really clever and just very proactive of Wizards of the Coast. And the card's messed up, let's be honest. Yeah. Like, it's a really good card. So I really like these bans. I just wish Winota saw a ban a little sooner than it did. Yeah. Yeah, it, you see, in Standard, Winota was one thing where it was like, oh, you play Winota and then, like, the game's over. But at least you could interact with it in the sense of, you know, just keep wiping the board or using removal or whatever. But if you keep doing that in pioneer you're going to just run out of gas especially considering that the creature quality is so was so much higher in pioneer because you just have a much greater card pool so if you were holding removal for winota you're just going to lose to all these other good value creatures and if you take out all those good value creatures you're just going to run out of gas by the time winota hits so yeah it was a lose-lose situation basically when it comes to expressive iteration, like you said, it is very heads up of Wizards. I think it feels an awful lot like, do you remember when they banned like Ramanap Ruins and stuff at the same time yeah. as all the energy cards? Because they were like, yeah, with Winota gone, these expressive iteration decks are very likely to be, you know, very top of the top of the top. Yeah. Well, in addition to other decks, but like, you know, they're going to have still all of their best tools and stuff. So I think, yeah, taking this out, you know, as much as I love playing expressive iteration, I think it is a, a good and fair shout so, yeah, good overall. That's it. Plus, I like these bands because it makes Mono Green Devotion really good again, and that's why I play in Pioneer. So, yeah, see, that's that's the only downside because I don't <laughs> like that deck at all. I would not be surprised <laughs> if Nick first got banned at some point. To be honest, I think that is, mm. you can make a very good case for that game banned in the future. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just because with Winota and you know you're going to be printing more really good value cards in future sets, that just makes Winota better. So the fact it's banned now is great. Like, it's just going to become more of an issue than it already is yep. if it was left legal. Yeah, that's it. So, with that done and dusted, let's move on to the main topic. We are going to talk this week about the Battle for Baldur's Gate Commander precons and specifically some upgrades for them. So, we've seen these decks. These are the Party Time deck, the Draconic Descent deck, the Mind Flayers deck. And the Exit from Exile deck. So these are the four that have come out with Battle for Baldur's Gate. They each do very unique and different things. I think these pre-cons are freaking cool. They're really sweet. Big fan. They're also really affordable as well. And there's some really good reprints. You know, you're into colours as well. So you don't have to worry about, you know, like the Streets of New Capenna where you had these free colour decks. You can upgrade into something really concise with the mana base and just have a good time. And also it's worth noting you get... In each Commander Legends Commander Precon, you get like a sample collector booster, which yeah. has a couple of cards that can you can put into the deck. They're seeded for the Commander deck that you bought as well, which is really cool. Yeah. So what we'll do is we're going to run through the decks one at a time, and we're going to talk about the Commanders, the backup Commanders, 
then we're going to go through some of the reprints and value cards that are in the decks and then we're going to go through a couple of options for upgrades and maybe some pricier upgrades if you're in the market for it so with that said uh, i believe the deck that you got from wizards was party time it was mm. so party time is the black white offering from the set if you remember from zendikar rising there was this cool mechanic called party where if you have a cleric rogue and a, a warrior or a wizard something would happen uh, unfortunately, it didn't really kick off in Zendikar Rising because there wasn't enough support for it. The mana bases yep. didn't really support it either. Um, but it's really cool that it's back as a commander deck, as a two-color deck as well. Mm -hmm. um, so leading party time is Nadia Diarnis, which is a 3-3 three, three human rogue for one generic white and a black. And it reads, you may look at the top card of your library at any time. You may cast cleric, rogue, warrior and wizard spells from the top of your library and at the beginning of combat on your turn if you have a full party so if you have those four creature subtypes on mm -hmm. the battlefield you put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control and those creatures gain death touch until end of turn mm. so this is just a really fun aggro sort of creature matters deck so I really like this design of party because there's just so many of these typings now thanks to Forgotten Realms really helped yeah. Baldur's Gate helped with it as well but it's also the commander deck with the most value as well, um, which we'll yeah. get into a little bit. But with every battle for Baldur's Gate pre-con, you get the option of a background and a legendary creature as well. Mm. Each one has one of those. So for the party time one, you have Barakos party leader, who is a 2-4 for 4, 1 in black and 3. And it reads, Barakos party leader is also a cleric, rogue, warrior and wizard. So it's a really good mm -hmm. party time enabler. Whenever Barakos attacks, defending player loses X life and you create X tokens where X is the number of creatures in your party and then you choose a background. And that background is Folk Hero, which reads, Commander creatures you own have, whenever you cast a spell that shares a creature type with this creature, draw a card and you can trigger it once each turn. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're not big on the like the head commander, you can switch it over if you want and it will still play yeah. the same, which is great. As for reprints and value, if you are just looking for value in your commander text, Party Time yep. is the one to pick up because you have Deep Known Terramancer and Black Market Connections, which are the two big highlights from these pre-cons. Yeah, so Black Market Connections is kind of an upgrade on Frexion Arena. You get to pay a bunch of life. You can make treasure and draw cards. And Deep Known Terramancer mm -hmm. is the, the two mana tutu with flash that uh, whenever one or more lands enter the battlefield under opponent's control without being played, you can search for a planes card and put it into play, yeah. which is just absurd, let's be honest. Yeah. Rounding out the value is some good stuff. Commander staples, so you've got like Savine's Reclamation, that mm -hmm. was, was quite expensive for a while. You've got Castle of Lockwain, which is a good one, and then you've got Mute Vault as well. Um, yeah. You don't really see Mute Vault in Commander. I get why it's in here, but it's yeah. a little bit of a weird introduction, but it's these Pioneer play as well. Mm. So as for upgrades, you can round out your party matters sort of mechanic by just adding a couple yeah. of creatures just to help out. So you've got stuff like Tenacious Underdog, Ailey Eternal Pilgrim, Mimfara, Mercy of the Souls a good one because it boosts your creatures. Um, mm -hmm. You've got Lazelle, Valkyrie's Champion that gives more counters to stuff when Narlia triggers as well. And then you've got some really cool like life gain matter stuff. So you've got Vita of the Dusk Rose because a lot of clerics are really good at gaining life. And then you can look at some really good efficient artifacts. So you've got your Bontus and Aketra's Monuments that just do stuff yep. when you cast spells. And then you've got like Grave Purge, which is a really good way to get one of each subtype back into your hand um, yeah. if you want to replay them. And then lastly for upgrades, you want to look at the mana base because sometimes these... Precons can have a bit of a clunky mana base because the two yeah, colors, there's a lot yeah. of tap lands. 
Um, so stuff like Isolated Channel, Caves of Colios, Fable Passage and Castle Undervale seem really good here. Yeah, nice. And as for splurging, if you really like the deck and you really want to throw some money into it, Archivist of Ogma is a really good one that also rewards you for you know the opponent just searching through the deck, you get to draw cards. Opposition Agents is another good one if you just want to annoy people, it's got the relevant <laughs> typing. And then you want to look at like Liliana Dreadhall General if you want to go into like a sacrifice theme because that could work here because clerics are very good at sacrificing, you get yep. extra value and you're in black so you can recur them all over. And then for like land options you've got like God the Shrine and Volwa Champions which would help yeah. here too. Yeah, the deck is really sweet, like it is more than just the value that's in it, it mm. is just a cool sort of like creature focused kind of thing it is quite good i like it it is not really my kind of style like and i know it's not everyone's style either but like it is worth checking out if you're feeling like like for for myself i've never found a black white deck that has really sort of resonated with me but if any of them is going to it's this one it just looks really really sweet looks really fun to pilot yeah and this is the thing that i really love about the way that they're doing the decks the pre-cons now is that they're very well designed they're very well built but there's still loads of room for improvements and upgrades and some of them are really obvious and then some of them can be like really niche it's like a fun puzzle to do i find with the pre-cons like when you take it out of the box you're like this is cool but i can spend 20 minutes like working on this and come out with something really fantastic yeah, because you can easily just go, cool, I'm just going to go creature subtype matters, go mm. really lean into the party thing. Or you can go to Aristocrats, because Aristocrats is really good in black and white. Or you can do a little bit of both. Or you can do mm-hmm. recursion. There's so many ways to build the deck, and it's really, it looks really fun. I'm really tempted just to make this into like a proper like party D&D style deck. Have some venturing dungeon cards as well for flavour. Yeah, for sure. All right, so the next one that we're going to talk about is the Draconic Descent deck so this is the one that i got from wizards and at the helm you have got firecrag cunning instigator okay so they are three a blue and a red for a three three legendary dragon with flying and haste and they have the text whenever one or more dragons you control attack an opponent go to target creature that player controls and whenever a creature deals combat damage to one of your opponents if that creature had to attack this combat, you put a plus one, plus one counter on Firecrag, cunning instigator, and you draw a card. So, this has the key focus of being sort of dragons and sort of goad. It's a lot of fun because goad and like that kind of force combat sort of thing, you don't really get in blue-red. It's mm. usually like a red-black or a Naya with like Marisi or that kind of thing. But this feels very, it feels like a nice unique take on this kind of strategy which i really really appreciate because that's generally speaking how i tend to build my decks i'm like how about i take this normal idea and put it in colors if that's supposed to be you know and that's kind of how this feels and it is really really cool the backup commander that we have here is bailoth barital entertainer they're four and a red for a two five elf shaman that reads creatures your opponents control with power less than bailoth barital's power are goaded and whenever a goaded attacking or blocking creature dies, you create a treasure token. And then it has to choose a background. So it's a static goad effect, which is, I think that's a first, but it will basically goad anything that is one or less power currently. If you make it three power, it means it's going to goad anything that's two or less power, and so on. And the background that goes with Bailoth is Clan Crafter, which is one and a blue legendary enchantment background that reads Commander creatures you own have paid two and sacrifice an artifact to put a plus one plus one counter on this creature and draw a card. So, 
you know, you can sack the treasures that Baloth makes from creatures attacking and dying, and you can make them bigger, which means that they will go to more things. So, you know, it's a nice little synergistic thing there. It is definitely a bit more of a directly instigating kind of commander. Mm. There has been a lot of talk about Baloth's Bardle Entertainer and their static goat effect and how a lot of people don't like it. And to be fair, I am on the team of I don't like static goat effects because I like my combat. Yeah. So, yeah, you might just want to be a little bit careful about how you use this, you know, like maybe don't pair it with Raised by Giants in its own deck or something, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. So <laughs> That sounds gross. Yeah, Ugh. yeah. But... Uh, in terms of reprints of value cards in this deck, it is significantly lower in value than Party Time, though, to be fair, nearly all of the decks, apart from Party Time, have that level of value. But there is a sweet new class in here, Artificer class, one and a blue for an enchantment class that has the text, the first artifact spell you cast each turn costs one less to cast, and then you can put it to level two by paying one and a blue. And it says, when this becomes level two, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal an artifact card. Put that card into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. And then you can pay five in a blue to put it to level three. And it says, at the beginning of your end step, create a token that's a copy of target artifact you control. So this is just a really sweet blue artifact matters card. And I see this probably showing up in a lot of decks over time. It is $4 at the moment. It's a good value. It could go up. I would not be surprised to see it go up. The next thing that's in here, Astral Dragon. Currently around $5. It is six blue blue for a 4-4 dragon with flying. And it has Project Image, which is when Astral Dragon enters the battlefield, create two tokens that are copies of target non-creature permanent, except their 3-3 dragon creatures in addition to their types, and they are flying. So... You know, you can do really silly, silly things here. There are a number of ways that this can essentially go infinite and everything. But you know what? It's an eight mana spell. So if you're paying eight mana to go infinite, yeah, you probably deserve it. You know, it's fine. It's a good card. I think a lot of people are kind of hyped on this at the moment. And I wouldn't be surprised if this did become a relatively common thing that we see. Then after that, you've got stuff like Roan and Will Kenrith and stuff there in here too. They are just good cards there's a lot of like good sort of two to three dollar cards in the deck and that's always nice to have so when it comes to budget upgrades for this dragons make the most sense because you know dragons mm -hmm. so to go with firecrack you can use stuff like lathless dragon queen uh i'm Earth, desert doom thunderbreak regent wrathful red dragon from this set these are good dragons with good abilities and they will be very, very powerful beaters by themselves, and Firecrag will then also cause opponents to not crack back at you, which is real nice. And then also, you know, when those creatures are attacking and dying and stuff, you get to also draw cards. So it, it starts to snowball. So putting in some good synergistic dragons into this is going to make for a really good thing. And if you want to sort of protect yourself with this as well, Sarkin the Masterless is really good for this. So... Sark and the Masterless from War of the Spark. Five mana, five loyalty Planeswalker. The plus one is until end of turn, each Planeswalker you control becomes a 4-4 red dragon creature with flying. So Sarkin turns himself into a 4-4. You can minus three to make a 4-4 token with flying. But the static text is what's important here. Whenever a creature attacks you or a Planeswalker you control, each dragon you control deals one damage to that creature. 
So if you get five or six creatures out and you start attacking it, people are trying to attack you back with their non-goaded creatures, they're going to get machine gunned by your dragons, which is super, super sweet. And I think Sarkin the Masterless might actually be one of the best cards that you can put into this deck, as well as also being one of the cheapest. Yeah, so um, cheap. It's just so good. Absolutely. And you can go with some, like, you know, pretty typical good generic um, upgrades and stuff. Like, you've got your Vandal Blast, you have your Illusionist Bracers and that kind of thing. When it comes to lands, you can upgrade with, like, Sulphur Falls and Shivan Reef, that kind of thing, to give you a little bit more consistency in your mana base without splashing too much for it and then be sure to also pick up the orbs dragons love their orbs there's the carnelian orb of dragonkind the lapis orb of dragonkind and then the just orb of dragonkind (laughs) so they're all ones the the carnelian and the lapis ones they're from Baldur's gate the other orb of dragonkind is from adventures in forgotten realms and that allows you to if later in the game you're running out of gas you can sacrifice this and look at the top seven and get a dragon so you know that's quite sweet as well so there's a number of like really really good cheap upgrades that you can get for this if you really want to splurge on it generally speaking you're looking at like you're never short of choice when it comes to both blue red and dragons because there's expensive (laughs) cards in both right so you've got like lands in the form of like steam vents and training centers stormcraft coast all that kind of stuff but with the dragons, you've got like Goldspan Dragon, you've got Galazeth Prismari. Honestly, there are actually so many dragons that are worth like $15, $20 plus in red in particular that are just absurd dragons. Just play, just pick, take your pick. Like just go to Scryfall, <laughs> search dragon in red and then assort by price and then just pick what you like because they're yeah. all good. The one thing I like about this deck, because dragons were a supported draft archetype in Battles for Baldur's Gate, you can just draft the set and then pick this up and then shove those cards into this deck yeah so like all the orbs are in there you got the five mana dragon legendary that deals damage based on the mana value of dragons as well which could be pretty good in here mm-hmm. as well it's just it's like it kind of builds itself which is great it's quite easy yeah yeah it's real good and then next up um it's probably my favorite precon out of all of them mainly because i mm-hmm. wrote about it but it looks fun uh, it's the Mind Flayers uh, commander mm-hmm. deck, which features Captain Nagatharod, I'm going to call it, ish, <laughs> I think. Um, Mind Flayers have weird names. Um, yeah. So, our commander is a legendary creature who's a horror pirate. It is a 3 6, and it reads Horrors you control have menace. Whenever a horror you control deals combat damage to a player, that player mills that many cards. At the beginning of your upkeep, choose a target artifact or creature card in an opponent's graveyard that was put there from their library this turn and then you put it into play under your control so mm-hmm. it's very on theme for mind flares because mind flares is all about taking control of stuff the strategy cares about milling cards away and then you just get to pick the best card from an opponent's graveyard and just put it under your control there is a pairing there's a background and a legendary creature pairing as well and um, so you've got zelix sanity flare which is a three mana two three that is also a horror and it has hide mind, so whenever a player mills one or more creature cards, you create a 1-1 black horror token. And you can pay one to tap it, and then target player mills three cards as well. So you can mill yourself with this as well, which is relevant. But the fact that it just allows you to make horror tokens to trigger your Captain Nagafarod just seems pretty sweet. Mm. And you also have a background called Haunted One, which I think is really, really good. So for free mana, you get a legendary background that reads commander creatures you own have whenever this creature becomes tapped it and other creatures you control that share a creature type with it each get plus two plus oh and gain undying to end of turn 
Mm. So Undying is a really old mechanic, but a really good one, where when a creature with Undying dies, if it had no counters on it, you, it comes back with counters on it. So it just gives yep. you extra value from your horrors. So yeah, this is like the first like horror tribal commander deck as well, which is yep. kind of nice. It pays you for creature typing. Horror is not a very appreciated tribe. It's kind of underlooked, so it's nice to see it get some attention here. Yeah. In terms of reprints and value, there's a bunch of good stuff, um, mainly in the new cards. There's a lot of new cards in this pre-con that we'll see play outside of this pre-con. Uh, mm. The first one is Aboleth Spawn, so it's a free mana fish horror for two free. Um, it comes with Flash and Ward 2, and it has Probing Telepathy, which is whenever a creature entering the battlefield under an opponent's control causes a triggered ability of that creature to trigger, you may copy that ability and choose yeah. new targets for the copy. Um, so this is really powerful because you can just steal abilities off creatures and um, you can get people with the flash. There's a lot of talk about this in like the CDH competitive tables as well because it's just yep. a really powerful effect. Mm. Another good card, which is probably not going to see CDH play, but it looks pretty fun anyway, um, which is Brainstealer Dragon. Mm. So it's a 6-6 dragon horror with flying and it reads, At the beginning of your end step, exile the top card of each opponent's library you may play those cards for as long as they remain in exile. If you cast a spell this way, you may spend any mana to cast it. Mm -hmm. And whenever an, opponent, an opponent controls enters the battlefield, they lose life equal to the mana value. So this is a really good reanimation target. I can yeah. see this just people just entombing this and then just reanimating it, which seems sweet. Um, it's also mm -hmm. a horror, so it's just a nice big splashy win condition for these decks. Um, so Aboleth spawns about $5 at the moment with Brainstealer Dragon coming in at free, but it wouldn't shock mm -hmm. me to see these go up just because the effects are really, really good. Yeah. Rounding out the reprints, obviously there isn't as good reprints as Party Time, as you mentioned, Scott, that mm -hmm. kind of leads the charge. Um, but you've got some really good value tribal cards. So you've got Herald's Horn, which is a really good one. Yeah. Uh, that's a staple in tribal decks. You've got Hunted Horror as well, which is a card from Guild Pact, I believe. Yeah. And they're both coming at four dollars each. And then you've got stuff like Lightning Greaves at five dollars and Talisman of Dominance, which is two dollars. It's really cool that we're slowly seeing the old talisman cycles getting reprinted because boy yeah, they need about it. time, right? Yeah, I know, yeah. right. As for budget upgrades, you're just looking to add more creatures to steal stuff and just to make most of uh Captain Nografaroff's uh, effect. Mm -hmm. So you want to run stuff like FIFA Sanity, you got Arvinox the Mind Flail, which is from the set boosters, the Secret Lair. Then you got like Glass Pool Mimic, Shadowkin, uh, you want to copy these horrors as well just to get extra value. And then you want to add stuff like Mask with Netflix is pretty good here as well because it yeah. makes shapeshifter tokens, which also count as horrors, which also helps you mill. I did find the mana base in this deck to be really clunky because there's no Felwar stones. Um, so you want to add a couple of those just to get some consistency. And then you just want to encourage the mill plan mm -hmm. since your commander wants to take cards that have been milled on your turn. So stuff like Psychic Corrosion, Sphinx's Tutelage and Memory Erosion all work here because they just happen on upkeep or whenever an opponent plays a spell on your turn. Yeah. And then if you want to get even extra milly, you've got stuff like Psychic Strike and Mind Grind. Mm -hmm. um, that's just another good way to mill people out and then for, in terms of like mana base, shipwreck masks, fetid pools castle vantress are all good starting points as well yeah. Um, but yeah you, you kind of you're kind of 
horror aggro tribal coupled with a, a mill backup pattern i think just because you're relying on other people's decks to get you there because you're stealing yeah. cards and if you if you want to splurge out and you really like the idea of just stealing people's stuff you can add better mana base so morphic pools and watery grave is really good here thing in the ice is low-key really good as well because it's horror and it flips uh non-horror cards so you can clear the opponent's board and then just attack him with your horrors which is, i think is a nice bit of tech and then you've got stuff like mesmeric orb altar of the brood that just is incidental milling that just chips away at people's libraries and you've got umbra's fear manifest which is Unfortunately, a really expensive card now, but really good here because it's one of, probably one of the best horror cards you can play in the deck. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, no, that deck seems sweet. I haven't really had much of a chance to run through it myself, but it is definitely one of the stranger of the decks, I suppose. It's definitely like attacking from weird angles and stuff, and I really like that. Speaking of being from weird angles, the next one, Exit from Exile. This is the green-red one. And it doesn't feel or play much like a typical Gruul deck because it's playing like an Exile Matters theme, basically. Mm -hmm. And we've seen this before with, you know, obviously my own Lelia deck and then Prosper as well. There's a lot of really good stuff for paying off for Exile. And the thing with that is, is that it's nearly all in red because the impulse draw kind of effect. That's what red does. But here, we get a little bit more in both colours. So, I'll start off with the commander, and that is Faldorn Dreadwolf Herald. It's one green and red for a 3-3 legendary human druid that reads, Whenever you cast a spell from exile or a land enters the battlefield under your control from exile, you make a 2-2 green wolf creature token. And you can pay one, tap, and discard a card to exile the top card of your library. You may play it this turn. So, it's kind of like Prosper's ability except instead of getting treasures, you get wolf tokens, which, you know, for a lot of people would say isn't as powerful, but I think it's just different. It's good, still. And the backup commander is Dernan of the Yawning Portal. So for four mana, you get a 3-3 human warrior, and he reads, whenever Dernan attacks, look at the top four cards of your library. You may exile a creature card from among them, put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. For as long as that card remains exiled, you may cast it, and that spell has Undaunted, so it costs one less to cast for each opponent. And it comes with Choose a Background. And the background is Passionate Archaeologist, one and a red for a background. Commander creatures you own have, whenever you cast a spell from exile, this creature deals damage equal to that spell's mana value to target opponent. So, with these, essentially, during an attacks, you get a creature, it becomes cheaper, and then when you're playing it from exile, the Passionate Archaeologist is also going to fire a bit of damage off to an opponent. That's the base sort of little engine that he has going on, which is a pretty good engine, to be fair. And then you can build the rest of the deck around, making sure that you've got good creatures and you've got some other exile synergies, that sort of stuff. They can very handily swap into the command zone in place of Faldorn in the way the deck is built at the moment, which is quite nice. And both feel good. So in terms of reprints of value cards in here, this was the one that sort of sparked everyone's interest when it was first previewed because there were two cards in particular that stood out as being reprinted. There was Stolen Strategy, which at the time was nearly $20, and the same as well for Jessica's Will. Now, Jessica's Will is down to $9. Stolen Strategy is down to 3 So, you know, you, lo you love to see it. This is the power of reprints. Let's go. And... One of the other cards that were in there that was starting to creep up in price was also Lelia the Blade Reforged. She was about $15 um, before this got announced, and now she's down to about 3 So that's great. In terms of new cards that are in here, you've got Delayed Blast Fireball. 
which is one red red for an instant that reads uh, it deals two damage to each opponent and each creature they control if the spell was cast from exile it deals five damage to each opponent and each creature they control instead and has foretell for four red red so you know you could foretell this and then later on deal the five damage or if you exile this say with Alalia or with Faldorn or something you can just cast this for the three mana and it will still see that it's been cast from exile and deal five damage which is phenomenally good so you know i'm pretty sure prosper decks are going to want this my Lelia deck is going to want this anything that plays anything regularly from exile is going to want this then we have green slime now i know that a bunch of people were particularly excited about this in like the cdh and legacy and that kind of stuff it's two and a green for a two two ooze with flash and when it enters the battlefield, you counter target activated or triggered ability from an artifact or enchantment source. If a permanent's ability is countered this way, you destroy that permanent. So it's kind of like a Rex Age, except you also get to stop the activation of whatever it is, or the ETB trigger of what it is. And you can foretell, and it foretells for a single green, which is quite nice. So this is just a really good utility card overall. It's good removal. It's a good way to stop ridiculous things from happening you know so that's another good card that's in there as well uh, when it comes to upgrading this you have a ton of options you have an absolute load of options i, I have like a top 30 list of cards to put in here like there are so <laughs> many different things first of all cascade works great because you're playing stuff from exile so stuff like violent outburst and throws of chaos just get that repeatable cascade effects you can do stuff like share the spoils which exiles the top card of each player's library and then whenever you play any of those cards you replace it with a card from your top of your library and this kind of thing so it causes some nice counterplay across the table and uh, like a nice mini game which you can use to your advantage or just use to screw with people then you have faldorn's discard effect so when you discard in order to exile a card, you have stuff like Containment Construct and Conspiracy Theorist that will allow you to exile the cards that you've discarded to just play them again anyway, which gives you the card advantage that you'll need in this kind of strategy. Uh, I've noticed that Bergy God of Storytelling is really good in most red decks, but the back half of this, Harnfell Horn of Bounty, that is phenomenal here because you discard one card and you'll exile two cards and then you can play those cards, which gives you more wolves which gives you a bigger board. And that's really, really cool. When you're making more wolves, Tovalar Dire Overlord is really good too, because whenever your wolves deal damage, you just draw cards. So this is the kind of card advantage engine that the deck was kind of lacking. And it's really cool. And if you want to go like really overboard, Soulfire Eruption is another great option for just obliterating creatures and like causing like a, a cool tense little mini game as well so if you're looking to sort of splurge on this kind of deck you can look at to be honest an awful lot of the exile stuff is not that expensive and a lot of the good stuff is already in the deck so you can run stuff like you know atsushi the blazing sky that kind of thing you know it's another one of these precons that it'll look nice in as well as the draconic descent one but you can also run stuff like Apex Devastator, which has Cascade, 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 and Cascade. So, <laughs> you know, playing a lot of stuff from Exile there is going to give you a huge, huge boost. Because it's technically like a wolf tribal sub-theme, you can really splurge and use like Coat of Arms or Doubling Season kind of effects. I personally don't think that it's necessary at all. Like, it feels very much like overkill. But you know what? Yeah. If you want to do it, if it feels good to you, I'm not going to stop you. 
But it is a really cool deck. From what I have seen, this is the one that sort of performs the most impressively directly out of the box. Mm. And it looks like an awful lot of fun to play. So, yeah, that is Exit from Exile. Nice. Mm. So, with that, that is all four of the Commander Precons. Honestly, I don't think there's a bad one at all. Like, I think they're all at least, like, an 8 out of 10. Like, yeah. and I'm not talking power level. I'm talking, like, in terms of, like, quality, value. Like, our review. <laughs> the BM cast review is 8 out of 10. Would yeah. recommend. Yeah, they're very, very solid. Like, if you're looking at any of them and you're trying to consider which one you want for value, then Party Time is 100% the right one. If you want to pick one based on what you like playing and one of them stands out to you, like, I, I don't like speaking for Emma, but I'm pretty sure we're both going to say buy it because yeah. <laughs> they're just good. Like, I don't, I don't know, like, we need to, like, give Gavin pat in the back and stuff because, like, the precons are just getting better and better not yeah. even necessarily in terms of power but like in terms of just overall cohesion and quality they're just synergistic uh, like they're it's fantastic yeah she's good really really good uh, it was my concern originally when they were gonna up the quantity of precons with every yeah. set because before it was just five decks a year right but mm. now it's like 10, 15. And I was like, gee, that's a lot. Is all of these going to be good? Because there's just more of it and yeah. less people <laughs> and the same amount of people designing them. But no, yeah. these seem to be really consistent and really great. So I'm, I'm happy to see it as well. Because it absolutely Commander is the popular format. So That's it. Mm-hmm. Right. So before we head off, Emma, have we got any Q&A this week? Yeah, so we've got a couple of questions this week. So we'll start with mm-hmm. Eclipse Mentor from the BMCast Twitter, and they ask, mm-hmm. any uncommon legends catching your eyes that you consider brewing? So I'm going to answer this one quickly and say Wilson, because we talked about it last week. <laughs> yeah. I am also very excited by uh, Levan Cultus of Tiamat. I, am, yeah. I had mentioned this before. I'm going to say what I'm actually doing with it now, which is I am building a modular deck at the moment. So I'm Ooh. using Levan Cultus of Tiamat as the primary commander. Like, they are the commander. But I'm yeah. choosing a different color background for different modules that you can swap in and out of the deck so there's a 60 card red core and then i'm swapping out different backgrounds based on the different type of game that i want to play like the black one is scion of halaster and it's a reanimator build the white one is inspiring leader and it's a tokens build and that kind of thing and you know it's something i'm very excited by and i'm very excited to put together i still have a lot of cards to buy for it in order for me to put it together and the cost of sleeves is going to be astronomical but it's got me very excited. It's kind of like Cube, isn't it? It's just like yeah, you've got bet, like 500 yeah. cards. <laughs> but it's going to be great. Yeah. They also ask, if a plane could be made into a and d book, so like the Ravnica and Strixhaven ones, what plane would you like to see and play in? Mine would be Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, I think. I think that would be really I sweet. mean, yeah, that would, that, would be, that would be awesome. Maze they didn't do it, to be honest. I'm really surprised. Yeah. Also, I'm really surprised they haven't done an Innistrad one. Surely they have by now, right? Never done an Innistrad book. What? I know, right? <laughs> because ages ago, before they huh. started putting magic stuff as actual source books, they would just uh, release like a digital PDF, hmm. like like three pages, just full of like rules and stats of monsters and stuff. They started it with Zendikar Rising, I believe. Mm. I think that was the first one they did or one of the Zendikar sets I think it might have been Over the Gatewatch actually it was one of the Zendikar sets yeah. and 
I'm just like, why haven't you done Innistrad? That's like one of the <laughs> biggest sets, right? Um, yeah. But mine would be Neon Dynasty because I think D and D could go with going a bit more futuristic. Yeah, like that's fair. Jammer. My one, I'm probably going to go with my bias and say Amonkhet because that would be a good one too. I really, really love the plane, and I know that it's the plane that I started playing in. So you know, I'm gonna have that obvious bias, but like. I was always growing up and stuff I was always always obsessed with like ancient Egypt and stuff and um, mm. like anything to do with it and not not like you know oh I watched the mummy I was like literally sitting there with like huge thick books on like ancient Egypt and stuff and I'm like yeah get this into me so yeah that's that's what I think I would pick yeah yeah plus you you can do the trials as part of a yeah a, right the story in, in the supplement because you yeah. all have trials for the gods that would be really sweet and then you pick a god and then you mm-hmm. do the trials and that just seems great that seems a yeah. blast as well um, we also have a question slash uh, tidbit from Eb the Mage mm-hmm. they just say I know Emma wants to build Tasha the Witch Queen but if anyone else is looking to build her she has gone down to about $5 which is really <laughs> good all the Planeswalkers seem really cheap in this set and that's great Yeah. and they also ask um, are we looking to put the podcast back on YouTube because we've had a myriad of technical issues with that is that something we should look at doing at some point so I would like to um, the only issue with it for me is that we have to make a video through Adobe Premiere to do it for full transparency and that roughly triples the edit time that's why it stopped going up because it, it took up like nearly a whole day for me and it's because of Premiere itself like it doesn't take all that much work to do it's that I do not have access to my computer for the best part of a day because Premiere sucks uh, while it's trying to render the video. So if I can find a way to get around that and minimize that and like get that down, basically it means once I get a new computer, uh, then yes, yes, we will. <laughs> or alternatively, if anyone can recommend any good software that isn't Adobe Premiere that can do this job, please let us know as well because we're open to suggestions that too um, yep and then on the BMcast discord Joe Chaney says Battles for Baldur's Gate has been out for a week in the main set there are only six cards worth over ten dollars and less than twenty or above five dollars why do you think Commander Legends 2 has been so little value I mean I'm all for the little value to be honest same 100% I think part of the reason behind it is because this set now has a comparison the original Commander Legends set had loads of really busted ass powerful cards that like people are like oh my god this is incredible like you look at like Jewel Lotus and stuff it's still astronomically expensive you know that kind of thing you don't really have that many cards in this set that are doing the same thing or that at least don't seem to be doing the same thing and that's because they're not you know it's not as powerful but that's good because if it was always that powerful then we would just commander would be a absolute hot mess by this stage but I, th- I think that's why we don't have many valuable cards right now is because people are looking at the other set and being uh, the other commander legend set and being like this isn't as strong as that so therefore these cards aren't going to be worth as much so therefore you know i think that's sort of how it goes plus you don't have like vampiric tutors and mana drains like the reprints were much yeah. better in commander legends because obviously it was the first one so of course it was no surprise to see this one be less value for what you say and I'm, I'm glad with that to be honest it should be accessible um, and plus I think the draft format for this one is much better than the first as well I never got to do the first but this one is so good it is so good I'm really considering doing another one my old GS is just like yeah I've yeah. got some extra pre-release kits who wants in I'm like mm-hmm. oh it's tempting so yeah. tempting um, and then Joe Cheney asks what do you think is the worst executed mechanic of all time and why is it companion 
Uh, I don't know. Epic sucks. Epic sucks. Uh, forecast sucks. If you remember forecast. Yeah. But that's more poorly designed mechanics, not bustedly good mechanics like companion. Um, yeah, yeah, you know what? That's fair. I'm not keen on companion because I'm tired of seeing Yorion in modern, and I would very much like to not see it in modern anymore. But mm. I think that it could have been something fantastic that was introduced in like the commander precons for Ikoria and not the main set, and I would have been like, companions freaking rock. Yeah, but that's not the case. Hashtag free yeah. tree. Oh, stop. <laughs> And then we have one more question from Dr. Unks, and they say, if you could stuff a soft pretzel with any kind of cheese, what would you choose? I didn't know you could do this for a start, so my mind is blown. So I have a couple of questions here. First of all, is this pretzel for me? Because if this pretzel is from my enemies, then I'm going to stuff it with the hardest cheese possible. Sure. Smart. Yeah. Um, for me, I'm probably just going to go with something soft that, that melts quickly, so brie. Hmm. Mm. Um, and have it have it slightly warm so it's just slightly warm in the middle so you get that mm-hmm. slightly melted texture from the cheese I kind of want one of these now not that I've ever had a pretzel but you never had a pretzel? not like a massive the ones that are the size of your face no huh okay which um, is weird because I've been to America recently and I didn't have one <laughs> yeah I would yeah I would probably go with something soft as well like it, it would be it'd be messy to get it done and stuff but like you know like a camembert or a goat's cheese or something would be nice or mm. just not yeah. blue because blue cheese sucks yeah no no thanks is this a food take that we're agreeing on what <laughs> mm, what's going um, on <laughs> that's weird that's very weird Thank you for listening to us here at the BMCast, and a special thanks to our patrons. At the Drink Fanatic tier, we have Tom Telford, Anthony Burchett, Christopher McCarthy, Edward Whitney, Evil Vanilla Glaze, Ian Holland, Jeff Eaton, Jonas Kong, Kilgore Trev 503, Matthew O'Neill, Max Makes Magic, MF Peaches, Mini Maya, Munsu Light, Nicholas Martin, Ozan Kaplaner, Scott Hanch, The Jessica, The Joe Cheney, Zachary Morrow, and Tim Newman. And at the Stonks tier, we have a nice planeswalker, Alex Gibson, Bo Schwartz Madsen, Brian A. Madden, Coffee, Everett Brogan, Nerblin, Mickey Paris, Scott Creech, Seamus MC, Simon Grip, Jamie Coyle, and Clyde Anderson. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We can't thank you enough. If you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely and wonderful people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagiccast at gmail.com or simply message us on Twitter at the BMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck.